Well, good morning, New Spring Church. Come on, put your hands together. How cool is it uh, to be served every single week? Welcome to our 1115 gathering, our second gathering for a Sunday. The early bird catches the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. Think about that, you'll get it about lunchtime. And uh, it is so good to be with you. We had an incredible gathering in our 9.15 service. And I just wanna say, you're looking good. Just turn to your neighbor, let them know you're looking good. Just let them know you're looking good. If it's appropriate, tell them they're smelling good as well. Hey, it, it, it might feel a little bit creepy, but it might be the beginning of something beautiful, you know what I'm saying? My name is Dan Leanne, I'm one of the teaching team here, and it's a real honor and privilege to be with you as we start our new series. But before we jump into our new series, let me point you towards Tighten the Knot, okay? Tighten the Knot is our marriage conference, and it's for everybody, um, especially if you're married, if you're hoping to be married, if you wanna stay married, Tighten the Knot is for you. We've had an amazing start to 2020, 21 days of of prayer that moved into a men's conference that was ground shaking and, and then we moved into an incredible vision Sunday last week. And, and uh, now we're turning our attention towards the Tighter in the Knot marriage conference. And the, the reason we put on a marriage conference is because we value marriage. We believe as your marriage goes, so your families go. As your families go, so the state of South Carolina will go. So we're drawing a line in the sand and we're gonna say we're valuing marriage. Right here, right now, half the people in this room who are married are struggling in their marriage. And the reality is, we don't want you to feel like you're struggling alone. So we wanna equip you, we wanna give you the tools so you don't struggle in marriage all the days of your life, but you thrive in marriage. As well as that, there are some people here in this room who are doing okay in their marriage, they're doing pretty well. You're kinda saying, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Well, that's a silly thing to say. I don't wanna live my life in a marriage that just isn't broke. I wanna live my life in a marriage that's getting better and better all the days of my life. Come on, is there anyone here with me this morning? Come on. I wanna live my life in a marriage um, that is marked by it growing closer and closer, more and more intimate. And if that's you and you want a better and better marriage, then the Tighten the Knot conference is for you. So you can um, text to our 30303 number, whatever needs to be texted, it escapes my mind right now, but sign up for our Tighter Than Not conference as soon as possible. Well, we're starting a new series called The Life-Giving Church. Last week, we had our first ever Vision Sunday, and I think that my brother and lead pastor, Brad Cooper, did a phenomenal job teaching last week. Do you agree with me? Come on, let's just encourage and honor people when they do great ministry. And uh, we introduced our new vision store, uh, uh, statement. Uh, by the grace of God and for his glory, this will be the church that we are and we become. So let's just put this up on the screens. This is our new vision statement. New Spring Church is a life-giving church marked by the presence of God, activating us to impact others. New Spring is a life-giving church, not a rule-imposing church, not a regulation-following church, not a heavy burden um, putting on you, church. We are a, come on, a life-giving church. And we're gonna be marked by the presence of God. And as we're marked by the presence of God, we're gonna be activated to impact others for the glory of God. And what we're gonna do over the next couple of weeks is explore that first line in that vision statement, a life-giving church. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a part of a life-giving church? giving church. Aren't I alive right now? 
If I'm breathing in oxygen and breathing out carbon dioxide, aren't I alive right now? Well, yes and kind of no. Because I think, I think everyone knows here in this room that there's life, and then there's life. Come on, there is living, and then there's really living. Come on, there is that kind of life that you can live where you just get born, you get educated, you get married, you get a job, you get stuff, you get old, you get dead, and then there's really squeezing everything that you can out of life kind of life. And that's the kind of life that our church is all about. Jesus explained this nuance. Um, in the Gospels, you'll see Jesus talking about life in its different forms. In fact, throughout the Gospels, you'll see Jesus in the Greek using three different words referring to life. Now, in English, they're all translated as the one word, life, so the nuance can be missed, but Jesus was very deliberate in trying to explain to us, yo, there's life, and then there's life. There's living, and then there's really living. He uses the word bios in the Greek. The word bios literally means our physical bodies, the flesh, the bone, the blood, our physical lives. He also uses the word suke. Suke is sometimes translated in the New Testament as the word soul, or in other words, everyone made in the image of God, and that is who you are, has life breathed into them from God. It's a soul. It's your mind, it's your will, it's your emotions. We all have a life within us that's a soul. But then there's a third kind of life, and this one only comes from God to people who receive it freely by his grace. And this is called Zoe life. This is abundant life. This is freedom marked, joy filled, peace, um, peace and purpose marked life. This is a life, people, that is not from this world. It's of God, from God, and for God. And that's the kind of life that Jesus came to give. That's the reason the Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse 10, I have come so that you may have life, Zoe life, and have this Zoe to the full. Some translations translate that as, I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Or in other words, Jesus didn't come to start another religion. Jesus didn't come to make people feel bad. Jesus didn't come to belittle humanity. Jesus came to give us life Zoe life, abundant life, peace-filled, joy-marked, freedom, come on, that kind of life and give it to us in more abundance. You got a little bit of Zoe right now? He wants more Zoe for your life. You had it for the first part of your journey, he wants more of that Zoe for the rest of your journey. Jesus came to give us this Zoe life and this Zoe life more abundantly. And I'm here to testify to you. I'm pumped because as a family, as an individual, I can testify to you that I'm experiencing more Zoe life now as I serve here at New Spring Church than I ever have before. I turned 44 in a few days and, um, and I, I'm, my, I'm losing my mind, but I've got a, still a decent memory. And I'm thinking back at all the different chapters of my life and I can swear, I can put my hand on my Bible slash iPad and promise to you, I have never experienced as much Zoe abundant, freedom marked, peace filled life like I'm experiencing it right now. 
it, it's, it's amazing to know that, that as a family, we've stepped into something that we didn't even plan. But God in his goodness planned that we would experience Zoe life. And it's so connected to us being here as a part of your church here at New Spring. And as I've been reflecting over the last couple of days about what ushered in this Zoe life that we're experiencing in this season as a family, I can't detach this, this, this experience that we are having from the reality that we have been living in the last couple of years. A lot of this life that we're experiencing is coming from the reality of us being able to serve other people in this season like we've never served people before. I've been a Christian for many years. I've been in full-time ministry for, for, for more than two decades, but I've never had the chance to serve like I'm serving right now. And that's creating incredible life for me and my family. I want you guys to catch this, that serving others is life-giving. I've preached more messages than I can count. Um, I've been to more cities than I can remember. I've connected with more churches than I can recall. But right now, because the Leans have an opportunity to serve like never before, we're experiencing life like never before. And we want that for you. I have a chance now that I'm at home a lot more to serve my wife every single morning. That's what happens in my household. If you're in my house, first thing in the morning, you're gonna hear me get up out, of, I basically wake up, complain about the aches and the pains, and then I'm gonna jump out of bed, and the first thing that I do every single morning is I turn the coffee machine on, it's really loud. But I want the first thing my wife to hear is me serving her. My wife, without saying a word, will jump out of bed, and she'll go and get a cup and fill that cup up with water. The sound of a cup filling with water will fill the Leanne household. That is her saying to me, I am serving you. We're now in a, in a home, in a community, and all week long we have different people coming over to eat whatever's in my fridge or to play board games around our dinner table. As a Leanne family, now we have an opportunity to serve people in our world. I'm telling you, I'm experiencing life like never before. My kids are experiencing life because of the way that they serve. They're sitting in the 11.15 service right now, but during the 9.15 gathering, they were out in Kids Spring, serving kids, Jesus on their level, and it's bringing them so much life. We're experiencing that in this season. I know I've got friends with teenage kids, and their teenagers are always fighting with their parents about whether or not they have to go to church now the only fights I have about church in my household are the fights that come about when my travel takes us away from the Anderson campus on a Sunday morning and they don't get to serve in kids' spring. Oh my goodness, the people in Wonder Way just need me, Dad. They need me so bad. Like, my kids are experiencing life and it's totally connected to them serving others. So if you walk away with nothing else this morning, I hope and pray that you walk away with this that serving others is life giving. Can you say that with me? Serving others is life giving. Put a little bit of attitude in that others. Come on. Serving others is life giving. I like the way that my friend Brad put it before the start of the 915 service. There is nothing more life giving than giving your life away in the service of others. 
Serving others is life-giving. Jesus taught that. Time and time again, all the way through Jesus' earthly ministry, he would talk about the meaning of life, the purpose of life, the end zone in life. He would talk to us about success and really arriving. And it's amazing how Jesus never talked about having a really cool job or lots of money or a car that everybody admires or a whole bunch of hunting land. You get to sit in a deer stand and just kill innocent creatures all season long. He says, no, the meaning of life is serving others. That's the reason the Bible says here in the book of Matthew 23, verse 11, hey, the greatest among you will be your servant. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 to 45 says, whoever wants to be, become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's saying, you wanna know the meaning of life? Serve. You wanna become great in this life? Serve. You wanna get to the end and realize that you worked it out? Serve. Serving others is life-giving. Jesus not only taught this, Jesus exemplified this. Jesus modeled this. He didn't just preach this with his lips, he lived it with his life. And you'll see this really clearly in the book of John chapter 13. John chapter 13 begins this last little section, this last week of Jesus' life. Now up to this point, Jesus was surrounded by a bunch of disciples and a bunch of followers who all thought that Jesus was the fulfillment of this ancient prophecy, the Messiah who was gonna come to deliver God's people, overthrow government and rule, and reestablish the kingdom, reestablish a Jewish way of life. That's the reason these young men dropped everything that they had and went with Jesus and stayed with him. And up to that point, everything they had seen with their eyes kind of fit in with that narrative that Jesus was somehow going to overthrow everything that we know here on earth as power and reestablish himself as the center point of power. They really thought they were gonna take over the world because they were with the guy who could heal the sick and raise the dead and preach the gospel in such a way that people had their minds blown. They thought Jesus was gonna lead them to the ultimate victory through his power. So here they are at the end of Jesus's earthly life. They're coming into that final week and here we have this story in John chapter 13. The, the, the crescendo is building, the drama is in the air, and they thought, this is it. Jesus is going to now show himself as the powerful king that we think he is, and we're gonna follow him into the most victorious life. This is it, it's gonna be incredible, and we got a front row seat for all of the events. But this is what unfolds. John chapter 13 and verse three. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Or in other words, at Jesus' moment of most clarity about how much authority he had, where he came from, where he was returning to, in his most powerful state, this is what he does. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. Nor said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is Jesus in his coronation moment. All of heaven and earth's authority is his. And he strips down to his underwear and he serves. The disciples' minds are blown. They thought that Jesus was gonna roll into that room wearing like a WWE belt, like you know, a king crown, a sword in one hand, a scepter in the other hand. Let's go, boys. And what he does, he comes out in his underwear with a bucket and a towel. And he dissolves the dirt from between his disciples' feet, between his toes. Why? Because Jesus wanted us to know that serving others is life-giving, that your greatest experience of life will be found on the other side of a decision to serve. So just a few little points just to kind of get your minds around. If you have the New Spring app, you can open that up. Just connecting serving and life-giving. It was Jesus' serving that gave us life. Just always remember this. It was an act of serving that gave us life. Look, Peter misunderstood it. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later we understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. This is beneath you. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you'll have no part with me. Unless I serve you, you can't have Zoe life at all. Come on, smile. This is really cool, isn't it? An act of servanthood saved your life. It wasn't your keeping of a religious routine. It wasn't you knowing the commandments and obeying them well. It wasn't you cleaning yourself up and dealing with that addiction in your life, getting yourself back onto track. It wasn't you with perfect attendance for 2020 so far, like kind of, you know, coming along to church. What saved your life, come on, was an act of service. Jesus washed your feet. Literally the most unpresentable part of you, Jesus washed. 
And what's even grosser than your feet is your past. And Jesus served you by carrying that for you, come on, to the cross. I've said this before and I'll say it again. One of the biggest misunderstandings that occurred in the Bible was that somehow, somewhere along the line, Jesus carried his cross to Golgotha where he was crucified and where he died. Jesus never carried his cross. Jesus never touched his cross. You know why? Jesus never had a cross. He was perfect and he was blameless. Whose cross was he carrying that day? My cross and your cross. My sin, my shame, my stains, my mistakes my pasts, my letting people down, my breaking people's hearts, my lies, my exaggerations, everything that separated me from God, Jesus that day carried it on my behalf to Calvary. Never forget, it was an act of service that gave us life. And as it gave us life 2,000 years ago, guess what? Acts of service still give life today. Can someone say a good amen to that? Come on, I want you to catch that. I want Todd Stowers here at our Anderson campus to get, to get that. Big Todd always stands at the right door of our Anderson campus, and every single time I see him, I gotta brace myself because he's gonna try to break all of my ribs. Not like kind of half of my ribs or three quarters of my ribs, trying to break every single rib with his massive Todd hug. He serves people on a Sunday, people have found life because of his service. Come on, I'm talking to you, Rick Davis, out in our Myrtle Beach campus. You're probably sitting behind somewhere geeking out about lights. Your service has helped people find Jesus. I'm talking to um, Mimi Metcalf out there in Clemson, out there with life. You remember Mimi, everyone loves, come on, out in Clemson camp. I'm talking to you right now. Your serving of our fused young people, come on, has brought life into teenagers. Serving brought us to life 2,000 years ago. Serving still brings people to life today. Point number two, write this down. Following Jesus looks like serving others. Following Jesus then looks like serving others. Verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Is there anyone here in this room who would proclaim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Lift your hand high in the sky. Let the whole world know. Let the whole world know. Now put them down because some people didn't put deodorant on this morning. You know what I'm saying? If you call him Lord and Master, then serve because that's what he did. Anyone here in this room want to look more like Jesus all the time? Come on, you want to be more like Jesus. I remember when I first became a Christian, the first thing I did when I was 17 years old, I went out and bought a giant cross that was made out of nails. And I like walking around and I bought, um, I bought seven different colored what would Jesus do bands. Anyone got a WWJD band? Remember those things back in like the 90s? It was so cool. Because everywhere I went, I wanted people to know that I, you know, I'm hanging out at a party and some bad rap music comes. Oh, what would Jesus do? And I walk out. I guess, you know what I'm saying? Like we're hanging out and my friends, like, you want a cigarette? No, 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 no. What would Jesus do? I, I was that guy. But the more that I go in this journey, the more I'm convinced that really following Jesus and really looking like him is less about these religious rules that we keep and much more about serving others for the glory of God. Yes, my life is trapped. If you're gonna clap, you may as well clap properly and wake the people up around you. Come on, if I'm going to look like Jesus, 
I have to do the thing that he told me to do to follow him. If you wanna be like me, serve. Wash feet, you do the same. Has Jesus served you? Has he served you? Well, then maybe join a team and open up a door on a Sunday morning because there are so many people in the state of South Carolina who have doors slammed in their face every week. And your smile might just bring someone into the kingdom. Hey, has he served you? Hey, hey maybe join the, the coffee team because a lot of people in this world get served bitter pills all week long. Maybe a nice cup of bitter coffee <laughs> might bring joy to their life. Hey, has he served you? Maybe help out in Kids Spring. We want kids to get Jesus on their level and we have the most stringent care rules in any church anywhere. And we will only have so many kids per volunteer and we close rooms down because we don't have enough people serving our children. Jump into a Kids Spring room. Has Jesus served you? There are kids running around every single campus on a Wednesday night losing their minds, they're crazy. <laughs> we, need, we need sane adults to balance out that craziness and serve at Fuse on a Wednesday night. The preacher standing before you now is standing here because someone served him as a teenager. Would you do that for somebody else? Come on, has he served you? There are men and women, there are couples in our church who are crying out for community, but we don't have enough groups because we don't have enough leaders. So sign up and serve. Has he served you? There are college kids, men and women who are in the most pivotal season of their life and they wanna be a part of a small group through our rally ministry, but we can't run these small groups because there aren't men and women who are saying, you know what, I'm gonna stand in the gap on behalf of a college kid making some of the biggest decisions of their life. Serving is life-giving. And if you call him Lord and Master, be like him. I don't serve to win God's love. I serve because I've been won by God's love and now I wanna be like his son, Jesus. Serve. Thirdly, write this one down. Yup, he was talking to all of y'all. <laughs> yup, he was talking to all of y'all. I love it, because Jesus here preemptively strikes. He's like going, I know what stops a lot of people from serving others. They think it's beneath them. That's what he, he know. I, I think that sometimes. You know how much I've done in the past? It's time for someone else to step up now. Hey, hey do you know who I am? I'm a big deal. So, you know, like kind of, I'm used to having people run around for me. Like you're expecting me to serve coffee to somebody. And so Jesus preemptively strikes that. And he says this, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Or in other words, okay, it's all cool. We can play that game if you want to. If you think service is about status, let's play that game. I'm Jesus, I'm the boss of all bosses, so if I'm sitting at the top here, 
And I stripped down to my underwear, filled a bucket with water, dropped to my knees, and dissolved the dirt from between your toes. Mm. If I did that, doesn't your status look kind of funny right now? Serving isn't about status. It's about having a spirit that comes from God and reverberates in your being for his glory. It's not about who you are or who you think you are. It's about knowing who he is. And the fact that if he served, there is no messenger greater than the one who sent the message. There is no servant greater than the master. He's talking to all of y'all. Say, all y'all. I love it. I'm teaching Southerners how to speak Southern. Fourth one and last one. Here we go. The weight of your life will ultimately be measured by the way you serve others. The weight of your life will be ultimately measured by the way you serve others. I'm an old man now. I turned 44 in a couple of days. I'm looking good for 44, you know what I'm saying? It's that moisturizer just around here where the crow's feet would usually, the crow's be flying away. They're not landing on my face. Do you know what I'm saying? And when you get to be an older minister, you find yourself in less weddings and many more funerals. So I've been to a fair few funerals now in my journey. Never one time have I been in a funeral where people have been gathered around a casket, wiping away tears, going, oh my goodness, what an amazing car he drove, that Corvette, oh my goodness, what a great Corvette, man, that thing went from north to sea. No, never, never saw that. He was incredible, man, that was a matter. He had so much money that his house was so big, 16,000 square feet, that hunting land that he had, oh, never heard that. What you hear all the time are stories about how they gave their life away for the sake of, come on, others. Someone very close to many people in our church passed away a couple of weeks ago and I think Brad and some of the team went down to the funeral in Atlanta, an incredibly successful businessman, incredibly wealthy, owned a lot of things. But it was a 90-minute God-honoring jam-packed service talking about a guy who worked out somewhere along his journey that life is really about giving it away to others. The measure of your life will be weighed by the way you serve others. That's why Jesus said, now that you know this, if you serve others, you're gonna be blessed. You wanna live the hashtag blessed life? If you really want to live life and life to the full, mm, if you wanna taste Zoe and drink it deep, more and more all of your days. Give your life away for the sake of others. I uh, hiked up to the top of Table Rock Mountain uh, a couple of weeks ago. Table Rock Mountain is a mountain range about an hour's drive from Anderson, just on, I think it's just past Pickens Way, kind of like Kalen Bain kind of territory, out that way, you know what I'm saying, out in Pickens, you know what I'm saying? It is the second tallest mountain in the world. It really is. <laughs> I love you so much. But it's tall, all right? 
is in the top 10 tallest mountain ranges in the world. Google it later, I promise you. And my buddy, Phil Walpole, who serves beautifully here at church, his wife Carla is on staff, um, he has a real heart for returning veterans, especially Navy SEALs. And so he um, is partnering massively with this organization called SEAL Future Foundation, trying to reacclimate uh, Navy SEALs who have served overseas into community, into business, into work. It's an amazing work. And so Phil's trying to get me to go on a hike, this mountain climb, uh, with him and eight Navy SEALs. And I'm like, I don't really wanna do that. I'm not trying to get into any real physical activity on a Friday, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and then he, what's the words? I encourage, he bullied me. You gotta do it. And so sure enough, I go hike this mountain. It took us three hours to get up, more than an hour to get back. And uh, when we got to the top, I was so glad because yo, it was stunning. It was beautiful. It was a really sunny day. It was so clear. You could see Greenville out one side. You can see into the state of North Carolina down the other. It was absolutely gorgeous. And so like any kind of Gen X on person, the first thing that I did was I made sure that I took a video of what I saw. It was so beautiful. This is the video that I took. I only discovered that when I got to the bottom of the mountain. The sun was so bright in my face, I didn't realize that I was on selfie mode the whole time. Don't get to the end of your life only to discover that your life was stuck on selfie mode. Give it away for the sake of others. I'm talking to the college students right now. You're at the quarter mark of your journey. It's quarter time. You're eating your oranges, you're just catching your breath a little bit. Don't waste the next three quarters of your life living for yourself, finding that you really got nowhere. Give your life away for the sake of others. Where are my half-timers here in this room? Come on, around that 40 kind of, I'm 44, so I'm, I'm living to at least 109, so I'm nearly halfway, all right? We're at the halfway point of our life, and like it says in the Bible, there is nothing less important than the score at halftime. That's not in the Bible either, okay? So for the record, Table Rock is really not that tall, and that last quote wasn't in the Bible, okay? But there really isn't anything as unimportant. So if you haven't done well in the first quarter, first half, it's all good. Give your life away now for the sake of others. Come on. If you served a lot up to this half point time, come on. Let's double down and keep giving our lives away for the sake of others. Come on. Where are my people here in this room who are around that three-quarter mark? Come on, three-quarter mark. Where are my really old people at who are in double overtime right now? Where am I? You served before, but as long as God gives you breath in your lungs, know that he gives you that breath to give it away for the life of others. Can someone say a good amen to that? 
Come on, just if you're gonna praise God, praise Him properly here in this room. So what we're gonna do in a few moments' time is we're gonna have a campus pastor come out live into every single room and shepherd this moment and help people practically take their next step into life-giving serving. What a beautiful picture. Tens of thousands of people, one New Spring family, fighting one another to serve. What life we'll experience. Mm. What life we will give. Can someone say a good amen to that? So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna go live to every single campus where a pastor is gonna walk you through your next steps. Lord Jesus, we love you, Father God. We exalt you, Holy Spirit. We invite you to seal what you have started. Come on, right now here in this room, ask this simple question. What has God said to you today? How has he challenged you? And now ask this question. What are you gonna do about it? What's gonna change? What decision will you make? Holy Spirit, there are thousands of thoughts bouncing around our heads right now. Take them and order them. Breathe on them and help us bring them to life. We want to serve others and see the kind of life that you came to give. In Jesus' name. And everyone who's turning off the selfie mode and putting it onto others said, Amen. Amen. Just praise God in your room.